Spoonful of Paolo, here we go. Hey guys, it's Paolo. So I am so excited because you all know I love watching The View. Well, today I am talking to the one and only Sarah Haynes. Now it's holiday time, so of course we're gonna keep it festive, talk about the crazy election, and talk about The View. So you guys, take a little time and enjoy a spoonful of Paolo with Sarah. Okay, are you, are you ready? Yes? I'm ready. Okay, um, I want to start by saying, Sarah Ains, I am so excited to have you on A Spoonful of Paolo because I have been following your career, I mean, for a long time, when you were on the fourth hour of the Today Show, to being on ABC News, GMA, On The View, then you did GMA3, then you came back on The View. Like, you're, you're just so much fun to watch. You are the real deal. So I'm so excited that we get to talk. Like, I'm really excited. Oh. Yeah. You uh, literally are an OG fan because you just listed my resume, so I believe you. Oh, I did. <laughs> I did, you're right. And I, so I want to start by saying I am so happy that you are back on The View because when you left us, I think it was in August of 2018, I was like, no, and I know you were going off to do like amazing things, but it's so good having you back on The View. Um, you know, when you came back, were you nervous? Like, because it is a crazy time right now. You know, we have the pandemic and you're coming back into the election that we just had. Or were you like, ah, I got this. This is going to be awesome. I know what I'm going to do. Like, how did you feel coming back? I think if I ever were to come back and not be nervous, it's probably time for me to go. Because if you truly revere the show the way I did as a fan, watching it since the beginning, admiring and holding in awe the women that have sat at that table, the responsibility of the conversations, especially right now, I was petrified. And I think it was because I felt so lucky to have been here the first time. And aside from the offer I got, I didn't plan on leaving the show. And so to have come back a second time, it almost felt too good to be true. And in the throes of the year that is 2020, I was really nervous. And like, I remember telling my husband after the first day back that I was physicalizing stress so much that my thighs were twitching. And here it's a place I'd been before. I, I had been with the exact cast of people that are on the show right now, but nothing stands still in life. And so much had changed. And I felt that I kind of had to earn my 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 seat at the table again you know again you you don't hold that forever it's not like calling it safe season like holding it you've left other people have filled the seat times have changed people have changed i felt a need to prove myself that i had earned the invite back mm, wow i remember you even you tweeted when you came back on the view you you tweeted you said i will always approach every hot topic with an open heart and reasonable mind i won't let the fury of our current moment consume my ability to clearly and fairly assess a story do you feel like you've been able to still stick with that you know be, since being back i, I absolutely yeah. do because um I think these last four years are unprecedented in our lifetime. Uh, you know, the divide, there's always been division. Many of these issues never truly were gone anyway. They're being, you know, kind of reawakened. So, but the fervor and the anger and the emotion, good therapists will tell you, um, not to have conversations when you're emotional. That's why we tell kids, you know, calm down, count to 10, step away. But as grown adults in the political sphere right now, talking at dinner or in a job, we're speaking through a lens of anger. And I always say it's okay for anger and passion to be the fuel in your tank, but not the lens in which you view the world. And 
that is a handicap. It is a, it's a disability of ours that we're so angry right now we can't see straight. So I try to step away from the metaphorical you know, issue or table and really calm down, take away some of my emotion because I'm an emotional person and say, let's be fair. Let's not decide where we end before we look at everything in front of us. Let's not decide based on what people think you believe politically or not. Let's not decide on the fact that to address a certain topic as okay might endorse a, an administration or a political party that doesn't deserve it. Like, we have to show that reasonable minds need to prevail and we need to have that strength even when it's not in vogue to say something to stay true to who we are because it's the it's the thing we're lacking and complaining about in other people yeah it's true like i'm really hoping that once the biden administration takes place on january 20th i'm, I'm feeling hopeful and yeah. i do you feel hopeful for the future like with the new administration okay. like you know like let's get rid of all the lies and the lies and then you're like not making sense but let's start fresh and new and i'm hoping that we can heal as a country yeah. and really come together, everyone from the left, the right, the middle, just come together and let's let's work together, you know? Absolutely, and I think the big thing for me is back when, you know, I didn't vote for Trump either time, but in 2016, a lot of the kind of story around why Trump existed was people were like, we're done with DC, we're done with bureaucrats. Well, I get the, the poisons of a bureaucracy, but I never wanted to bring in people that don't know what they're doing. And so I was always a believer that you put someone in charge and they don't have to know everything because they're going to surround themselves by brilliant minds. That didn't happen, which I, I did reserve a, a little ounce of faith that maybe when Trump was elected the first time, he might do that. He might know, I don't know things and let me put some people in here. We know how that story ended and none of that happened. I'm so excited to get more career people back in there because the plus of someone that knows where they are is you have to be in the game to win it. You can't opt out. You can't throw the board away. So if you know how to play politics, I get it. Sometimes you're going to have to give a little over here to get a little over here. I want people that know how to do that. And I want people that have known each other for years in D.C. They're not accepting that some person from like a, a extended family is sweeping in to run an education department or, you know, like I want grownups and I want professionals. And yes, they bring along with them maybe some baggage of bureaucracy. I'll take it. Yes. I will yes. take it. Yes, I'm with you. Is there, I'm curious, is there a hot topic that you're like, okay, once they take place, the new administration on January 20th, are you like, I don't want to talk about it. Like you're like, that's done. No more hot, no more hot for the hot topic on that one. You know, like. Well, one of, one of the things is, and I, and I insist on saying President Trump because I do believe in a reverence of title. So I make myself and I'm disciplined to say President Trump. I do not want to talk about President Donald Trump anymore. And this is why I do think the media gave way. They did contribute to his existence. And we all know why. And I don't know if it's the chicken or the egg. The clickable topics are going to be someone calling someone an unhinged a-hole. Well, that language is not something we heard in politics before. When you start making absurd, not just in content, but language, when you start to say things, they're clickable. We all click on it. You know, you want to tell me about like the new education bill. I'm not going to click on that. I'm going to click on the Twitter fight on the left. And, you know, like on the left of the screen, I mean, you know, like I'm going to click over here. Uh, we, we were part of the problem, the American public and what we consume and what we care about is part of the problem and therefore the media which is run by business they need clicks they need ratings 
they're not they're not an altruistic party that can just run boring headlines to inform the public they respond and that's what we click on and that's what we consume so we were part of the problem and the more outlandish and crazy uh trump and the administration were the more people clicked and the more people watched so the main thing is that i think we have to even if it's a sensational headline even if it's low-hanging fruit even if, if it's easy and fun to like to stomp on it we need to do better we need to elevate conversation we need to elevate tone and that means we may not be talking about the more like fun topic of trashing on someone that's a big bully it might mean the more boring topic and we have to do that work. Well said. Well, you know what's so crazy, Sarah, is that four years ago yesterday, I interviewed Joy. I was there and I interviewed Joy. And we were both a little, you know, we were sad. You know, it was like Trump just won. We're like, you know, but but now it's like, it's so cool that I, we're in a different place. I'm t interviewing you from the View family. And, you know, we're, it's uplifting and we're like, we're thinking positive yeah. and we got this. You know, it's just so crazy. You know, what I want to say to you is that I love someone who dreams big. And I also love someone who follows their gut. And you did that, you know, you went to Smith College, you got your BA in government, you know, but then you decided after, hey, I think I want to be an actress. And I remember you telling your parents, and I think your dad was in the kitchen, you say slicing a tomato, yep. and, yes. and then it, in the <laughs> middle of Iowa, and you're, and then he's like, I didn't send you to Smith College to be an actress, but you're like, uh-uh. So you went to New York, I know you did the NBC Page program. Yeah. At what point during that did you say to yourself, uh, I think I want to use my voice and be me and not be these other characters. Like there had to be something to say, like, I love actually me being me. You know, what, at what point was that? Did you decide? Well, I wish it was as noble as the way you describe things. Mine was not getting callbacks. So <laughs> I was auditioning and trying so hard and nothing was happening. And then I got this offer because I was always paying for acting classes. And there was a point where I thought, I've trained at the, I, I trained in the evening program at Stella Adler and there are courses you can get in front of casting agents. And I thought, that's not where I want to train, but to see how I'm doing and gauge my progress, I need to take one of those courses and see how it resonates. I went, I did this commercial casting class, didn't resonate, but um, then I, there was, I needed a third class to get this spring special or something. And it was TV hosting. And to me, that seemed so easy because I had always loved public speaking and I was fine in my own skin. It was, it was everything else I was trying that I wasn't getting feedback on. So I took the TV hosting and for the first time in maybe ever, I was doing, I was the one people were looking at in the room. Like I did well, that wasn't nerve wracking for me. I loved public speaking. I loved improv being asked a question and answering on my feet. That stuff I could do. Tell me to read a script and you were going to see the clunkiest eighth grade acting class you've ever seen. So I, in that moment, realized I went for some auditions uh, that the casting director in that cast or in that class asked me to do and I got the job. And it was the first time I saw traction. And I thought, wow, I guess you could marry the public speaking and everything I'd done my whole life with not being someone else, but owning my own voice. And that gives you hosting. And when I started hosting was when I actually saw movement. And so it was kind of the experience. I wish it was a moment I woke up and thought, I'm going to use my voice 
for good and it, it wasn't bad. <laughs> God, you know, but Sarah, I, I relate to you in that because like I thought I always wanted to be an actor. I mean, even Oprah Winfrey surprised me in my dad's grocery store here in Chicago and made a dream come true and got me a, a small role on Will and Grace. And then I, you know, I did like little things there and here and there. But it was at some point I just felt like I don't I think I had that dream. Oh, I want to be an actor. I want to be like Joan Collins on Dynasty. But it was just a vision. But it's not really what I wanted to do. And then little by little, then I started working on the talk and then at the Ellen show. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. This I grew up watching talk shows. I mean, I've been watching The View since it premiered in 1997. Yeah, so I've been watching it. And so it's like, I'm like, no, no, this is what I want to be doing. So and you've been doing this like every year, year after year, you put in the hard work. And then in, in 2014, you told Cosmo which I love this. You said, if I could snap my fingers and have the ultimate dream job, I would love to co-host a show with the format to Kelly Michael, Kathleen Hoda, or The View. And then you get an email like saying, hey, like, can you come be a guest co-host on The View? I can't even imagine what you were thinking when you get this email. And then you've been putting this out even before 2014, you know? So I was on a plane coming back from Italy, your home country. Yay! Grazie, Bella. Um, I had gone on an uh, not, I don't know if I can say this on here, but an F cancer trip with Amy Robach. She had come out of her cancer and there was a girl, we went on a girl trip. I'm in the plane and I had Wi-Fi, which I don't always splurge on the Wi-Fi, but I did. And an email came through and it said that the view would like you to fill in once for a guest co-host. I had my mini freak out telling the guy in 14C about this big moment because I had no one else to tell. So I'm squealing on the plane, like looking around, like, who can I tell? This is amazing. And I remember I got back. I wasn't married yet, but I was with my husband. And I said, I'm framing this. I'm framing this email asking me to, and it wasn't even from the view directly. It was through an agent that said, you know, they'd like you to come. And I thought, I'm done here. Like my work is done here. I've arrived at the view and that email was going to be my framed proof that not that you can always get what you want, but it, it kind of justified my whole journey by having a shot of filling in one day at the view. And that's all I needed. Wow. That is so crazy. And then like, then you're a permanent co-host, a season 20, you know, and you get to work with two icons. And I, I remember uh, e even like, like when they have the intro of the view and you do that wave, like they had it the first couple, I'm like, I bet you she watches so many times. Like when she does that wave, like over and over and over. <laughs> well, you don't even understand. So I don't really, it feels like a century ago when we actually walked out on that stage. I never once let myself hear that song without so we're on a stage and we look at a screen here and then walk around the corner and look over the opposite way every day when i heard the music it was a meditative like reaction to, this is my pause moment i paused i watched it every time it said oh my god i can't believe it and then i'd walk out because i thought the second you let go of those little um containers of utter joy, excitement, perspective, dreams, those moments that you just wanted something and then you got it. The second you lose it, the magic starts to fade. And so I've always told myself, I remember when I got into the PAGE program and I was in Kansas at my sister's and I got the call, or I, no, I didn't get a call. I called in because it was a time where they sent letters and I hadn't gotten one. And they said, actually, we're going to go ahead and tell you this because you haven't gotten it, but you're in. I cried. I squealed. My mom was like, $10 an hour, you're going to have a really hard time surviving on that. You know, I don't think this is the right move. And no one else was excited. I remember telling myself, my life just changed. I don't know what it looks like, but my life just changed. I still can channel that excitement from the PAGE program because the secret to life is holding on to those moments and 
putting them on a shelf and always honoring them. Wow. I hope you do take it in because like your career has been really amazing to watch. And I, you know, and I know, you know, you've been through so much in your life, but you have this amazing family, your beautiful husband, your three kids, you're working on daytime's number one talk show. You know, and I know this is such a crazy world that we live in, but I hope you do take it in and say, wow, these things I continue to accomplish day after day. It's just, it's so inspiring to watch, really, it is, so, oh. yeah. Well, I always say to anyone that's ever dreamt it, because I know how it feels to be dreaming it, that I promise you I'm honoring it with the gratitude any one of, any one of us would want to give that role. I never take it for granted, and that is my um, message to people that say, oh, I would do anything to have your job. I'm like, trust me, I'm never taking it for granted for people like you. I dreamt it too. So like I'm honoring it for all of us. <laughs> mm, thank you. And speaking of honoring, I love when you talk about your brother, Joe, on the show. Um, I know you grew up in a conservative family, but when you talk about your brother, and I think I read that he was the man of honor for your wedding as well. Um, but when you, when you, yep. yeah, when you talk about him, I, I feel, I see that special bond you two have. So I'm going to ask you, because you grew up in a conservative family, what's yeah. like one thing that you really learned from your brother that you're like, wow, like you, that it just really got to you. That you can be programmed with any belief, uh, un not even consciously, but that life is too short not to search every day for where you are inside, whether it's your, your, who you love, whether it's your message and what you have to say, whether it's where you'll find your happy life is about shedding the shoulds. Like if you find yourself saying, I should do this, you probably shouldn't because the should is the weight we carry around every day. And the fact that Joe right next to me took that journey, this is the part that hurts me when I cried into my volleyball coach, my very lesbian volleyball coach at Smith, that I was sad. She said, you're sad. Your brother's gay. I said, no, I'm sad that he went through all this right next to me and I couldn't be there with him. Like that was a journey he had to take. And I was right next to him and yet so far away. So I think the fact that in all that we had learned and taught, and my parents weren't preachy parents, so it was more the example they showed us, probably church, the things around us, our community. We, like sponges, like kids do, we became all those things. And yet Joe, knowing what he needed, what he wanted, what, what was, who he was, he did it with be, going against everything. And the bravery of that, it is actually easier to probably stuff it down and choose a life that is easier, that doesn't come with as much flack. There are people everywhere around this world that I, my heart mourns for that are in relationships and in situations that aren't true for them. And it, it, it takes people that are saying, I won't accept less and to do it at such a, you know, Joe, some people come out earlier, but Joe, was ready to talk about that at 18. And I think that was so young. One of his most serious boyfriends came out at 40. That's a different time. It, it's never too late, but it's a different time. So I look back and with every passing day, I'm prouder of him that he did it in the face of nothing that supported him. Oh God, that makes me get emotional. That's beautiful. I was engaged with a girl who's my best friend today and she was a part of our wedding when we got married. And um, I w we were gonna get married. And then, you know, I just felt, I knew, I was seeing a therapist that things just weren't, it wasn't, it wasn't where I needed to be, but I thought it was because how I grew up being Catholic with my family. But, you know, I just, I feel, I, that's why every time you talk about the LGBTQ plus on The View, I love it because I feel like there are so many kids out there who are struggling, who, don't want to come out yet because they're scared. So every time you make it a safe place to say, hey, you come out when you're ready, you know, and you got yeah. someone who loves you. So I thank you for that. Every time you talk about it on The View, really, okay? Well, I, 
thank you, Paolo. And I long for the times that uh, the world will be like Love, Simon, when a, a, a gay child doesn't have to address sexual things or sexuality to a parent because I didn't have to. And so why should anyone have to look at their parents? It's gross enough to think about anything sexual while looking at your parents. The fact that children who are gay have to look and say sex, anything referring to sex is just an unfair thing. Like none of us should have to. So I, I love talking about it now just to make my parents squirm a little. Yeah. Are you going to see, are you guys for the holidays, will you be home with your family or I know things are changing because of the pandemic or are you going to be with the kids and your husband and you guys just be cooking at home together? So Christmas is a huge Hanes holiday. Normally we are all together. We, uh, we flock toward each other because we're childlike. We still literally sit on the floor and listen to my dad as grown adults, not for the children, not for the grandbabies, for the originals. We sit and listen to A Night Before Christmas. We have very um, regimen tradition of what we do. We eat lobster every Christmas Eve. You know, all, everything is very specific. This year, just for the health of all of us, we will be uh, not together because I have one sister in California who will be doing Christmas with her husband and two boys. And then um, my oldest sister does live near my parents now, so she'll be with them. Max and I will be with the kids and the jurors. And then um, my brother, he's uh, single presently and alone. So he had two options. He could stay here and come to our place or go home. And I think he's making, he's going to quarantine and go to be with my parents because, you know, like anyone, you always know how many years do you have left. So I think he wants to make that journey. Of course. So. Oh, you have such a beautiful family. Okay, we're going to end with this. You know, it's Christmas time. We got to get you something. So we have your a stocking <gasps> here with your name on here. Okay, so we got some goodies inside that I It's a little bit different because we're Zooming. You're there in New York. I'm here in Chicago. Yes. So, uh, okay, now close your eyes while I pull some stuff out of the stocking. Don't look. Okay, so... Um, okay, now you can open your eyes. So what we wanted uh, to do was we wanted to give you some, we wanted to donate to some causes that we know are important to you. So we're going to start with this because we know you're a dog lover and in memory oh! of Trixie and Peter, we are going to donate $100 to the Humane Society of New York. So start with that for you. Thank you so much. That literally makes me cry a little. I have a bracelet with their initials on and Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay, so we also have, we're going to be donating, in honor of you, Sarah, uh, $100 to the Trevor Project, which we know does yes! so much great work for LGBTQ plus community. So that's another one. And then the final one, okay, is we are going to be donating $100 to Michael J. Fox Foundation for Parkinson's Research oh. in honor of your mom and all those living with Parkinson's, okay? Beautiful heart. Paolo, that this is like the most touching personal thing you could give me. Like each one, like is just so near and dear to me. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much. That is the best gift you could give me. Oh my God. Thank you. Thank you so much. Because the best <laughs> gift you can give me is being a guest on a spoonful of Paolo. Okay. Um, really. I, I, Sarah Haynes, I love you. I love watching you on The View. And I just love to say you're a good listener. You're a good listener on that show. And I can't wait to see you on The Chase on ABC. It premieres on January 7th, Thursday. I'm so, so, so excited for you. And I just want to wish you continued success because you deserve every ounce that comes your way, really. Paolo, you are the best. This was better than I even expected, and I already knew I loved you. But I, I really hope our paths cross again soon. Uh, Whether the roles are reversed and I interview you instead, because I have so many questions. <laughs> okay, um, okay. But okay. thank you, not only for this opportunity, but for your enthusiasm. And you clearly, like, you, you're, you have so much sweet, reflective light. And, and the donations just are 
the cherry on top. I always say the one thing we want in life is for someone to get us, like to truly understand us. And those donations are proof that we may not know each other well, but you know me very well. Oh, amen. <laughs> so thank you. No, you're the best. Thank you, Sarah. Um, yeah, just happy Get holidays. Hugs for me too. Okay, okay. You're, I know you're, he's there. Patrick, you're, he's next to making sure everything's going good. Yes, love we love you. you. Merry Christmas, you guys happy are the holidays. Best. I love you. We love you too. Happy holidays to you and your entire family, okay? Ditto. And your both husband, of your family. Your husband is cute, by the way. He's like adorable. I just have to say that. He's so hot, right? <laughs> yeah. Tell Max, yeah, 10 out of 10. Okay. And your kids are adorable too. Okay. We love you. Have a great day. Okay. Love you guys. Love you Thank too. You. Bye, Sarah. Bye. 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 Oh, she's so amazing. Thanks for joining me today on the A Spoonful Apollo podcast. For tons more interviews or the video version of this episode, visit our website, aspoonfulapollo.com or our YouTube channel. I'm Paolo Presta, and I hope you always remember to dream big. Dream big. Dream big. <laughs> I love you, Oprah. Bye, everyone. We'll see you next time.